Hey everyone, this is Samantha, founder and host of Type 1 Tribe, an interview series with T1D leaders all over the country. Our guest today is Zach Schreier. He is the founder of Quavos, a high-protein, low-carb snack, and also the founder of LifeStacks. So we're so happy to have you here with us today, Zach. Yeah, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do, a little bit more about the, the two companies you run. Sure. Um, I, I grew up in Chicago, still live there. Um, I, I was diagnosed uh, in sixth grade, and so I've had um, you know a lot of thinking about health over the years, and that got me into thinking about food and diet, um, and then founded the company with my best friend from growing up, uh, where we made a snack that works for me and other diabetics. Um, it's, it's, as you mentioned, low in, low in uh, carbs and high in protein, also high in fiber, which is uh, mm-hmm. an underrated um, uh, component of the <laughs> diet, for sure. Uh, people are catching up now, uh, but we've, we've got a, a happy um, four grams of fiber in each serving. Um, and then uh, I also founded Lifestacks, which is a supplement company. And the idea there is that uh, nutraceuticals are basically this entire class of substances that um, have been rigorously studied. Um, and the reason for that is they were already present in, in our diets and traditional medicine. And there was some speculation for one reason or another that these would be effective uh, bioactive uh, ingredients. And um, in, in many cases that's been confirmed. So there's roughly a thousand ingredients that do have some efficacy um, uh, that's been clinically studied. And so LifeStacks is all about bringing those things into the diet uh, to make nourishment uh, more uh, convenient for everybody. Wow, that's awesome. And so you're running both still? You're part of both? Yes. Um, yeah, my, my role at Quavos was really uh, to ideate, uh, sort of come up with the concept and then uh, develop the products. And okay. So I spent about a year doing that during college. And then uh, my co-founder, Nick, uh, has been full-time on that company uh, for four years now. Uh, so he's really the CEO, uh, but I'm still on the board and, and we you know uh, make strategic decisions together. And you were on Shark Tank. Yes, we were on Shark Tank. <laughs> and you got a deal. Yeah, we got a deal. Yeah, yeah, it was really exciting. From, uh, what's his name, Daniel, how do you say his last name? Lubetsky, um, yeah, founder of Kind Bar. That's um, amazing. Yeah, they were in a good mood that day, so <laughs> I... That, well, hey, I, I brought these because I absolutely love them. They're so good. So if the people watching, if you have not had them, you have to get them because they're so good. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we're <laughs> on Amazon and Quavos.com for anybody interested. Yes, and I'm a huge snacker. So when I was first diagnosed with diabetes, I was like, oh, no, like I'm not going to be able to snack, you know, because of everything. But now that I have these amazing options, it makes it a lot easier for me. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I'm, I'm curious. So we've got roughly uh, four net carbs in each bag, um, or maybe actually exactly four net carbs. What do you notice in terms of uh, sugar spiking or not from the chips? Is it nothing? No, nothing happens. And so I don't even know. Like how many carbs? Yeah, seven grams. I've never taken insulin for this. My, I mean, you know, depending on your insulin ratio, you might have to, I guess. But like in I don't take any insulin and nothing ever happens. So it's great. Awesome. All right. Working, working <laughs> as planned. That's great. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about like, so you said sixth grade about your, about being diagnosed. Like, do you remember what happened in the process? Like, did you have to go to the hospital? Yes, I do remember. Um, I was, I was with my family. Uh, we were on a ski trip uh, the week before I was diagnosed and I was really weak. Um, and like, just, you know, not skiing as well, not as coordinated. And also like just craving soda throughout the day. And I never drank soda. It was like, I needed a, a Coke every single stop that we made. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and but feeling awful like if i finish this the day on the, on the slopes and come back and just lay on the floor for hours and then when i got mm-hmm. back from that trip went back to school and people were saying you know you look you look pretty funny like you look really weird actually um, <laughs> Uh, what you want to hear as a sixth grader <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah um people were attributing it to well my, my parents initially were attributing it to like a growth spurt like maybe you're just thinning out oh, sure. and getting taller but that would probably require like actually getting taller at the same time not just <laughs> thinning out uh so then uh you know it push came to shove i i i felt really sick that night next morning went to the hospital and my sugar was 666 so wow that's really hot. That's a lot. Mine was only 420 when I went to the hospital. So, wow. wow. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, does, anyone in, so long. does anyone in your family have it? No, nobody in my family. Um, we do have some autoimmunity in general, and those things do travel together. Uh, so, um, wow. it's not shocking. But. Wow. That's, that's crazy. So, did, do you remember getting like a virus before? Like, were you sick? Like, from like the flu or anything like that before you were diagnosed? You know, I don't know. I don't think I was all that attuned uh, to, you know, I was, I was young and um, it's possible I was sick about before. Um, yeah. But, you know, it was just uh, the, the most noticeable thing was just like an exponential weight loss. Like I think in that day and a half before I went to the hospital, I, I lost like 70 pounds or something like that. 70? Seven, seven. Um, oh, over, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> seven, so, yeah. But over the course of that month, it was like 30. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. So when did you just start like deciding to help other people with type 1 diabetes? Like, how did you even get the idea to start creating a food product? When did that all come about? Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a generous uh, way of putting it, I guess. Um, you know, I, I, you know, obviously wanted to make a snack that worked for me and other people. Um, and, uh, uh, but it wasn't like I had like this, um, like independent altruism and I needed to find a way to like, uh, channel it into a project it was more like the project kind of fell, fell into our laps and, and we just ran with it um and, and it was really i think motivated by the idea like i just i just love those crispy pieces of, of omelet and and <laughs> realized that they were low carb and didn't know of other crunchy low carb options um, mm-hmm. and so uh that must have must have discovered that like um pretty shortly after diagnosis like i was making eggs a lot and so that's something i was you know, playing with, um, sure. but it was really, uh, and I, I looped uh, a good friend of mine um, uh, into that, uh, like, you know, thinking at that time, like, so he was aware of these uh, egg, egg chips I was making, um, <laughs> but then uh, we really revisited it when he applied to an incubator um, mm. at uh, his, his school, so this is uh, my partner, Nick Hamburger, um, and he uh, applied to the UChicago undergrad incubator, and people were really excited about the concept, and, mm-hmm. uh, and I think they, they, um, they saw it, um, you know, the, the vision of Nick and they, they um, uh, you know, thought it was very promising and they liked our prototypes. And so that's really what got us going. Uh, so that summer after Nick had some success at that incubator, uh, we both uh, decided to take a year off of school and get going on the project. That's amazing. So do you have a background in like food science? No background in food science. Um, it was a that's lot of cooler. Year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Yeah. So going away sort of from the business side. So like, what's one thing that you've maybe gone out of having type one diabetes, like, a, cause a lot of, you know, there's a lot of negativity around having diabetes, but like, what's one positive thing that's come out of it for you? Yeah. Um, yeah, actually a handful of positive things. I, I think it, it actually does, you know, especially at a young age shapes personality developments, um, for better or for worse. Uh, um, 
as all diamex know you have to be like you have to have uh you have to be attuned to what's happening with the sugar at all times so mm-hmm. it's like sort of an extra program that we have to be running to yeah. you know consider this stuff but frankly i think the brain responds to extra demands with extra supply and um you know i i think potentially our uh, the, the attention of diabetics is uh, like ends up being uh, expanded. And um, so uh, mm-hmm. more specifically, I think it, it made me really um, curious and uh, curious to, to figure out exactly what's happening with us. Uh, not, not just diabetics, but all sure. humans in general. Sure. Um, yeah. It's like, it's a window into the fact that we are these like self-regulating machines and like, you know, a very early like quip from being a diabetic just to help people understand is like, I'm effectively playing the role of a pancreas in addition to uh, a set, you know, a person. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's in, it's funny because before I was diagnosed, I didn't know anything about diabetes, honestly. And so like, I have learned so much like since being diagnosed just about the body and like how it works and what even a pancreas is and all of that. So you're right. It's, it's like a quick way to grow up and learn really fast. <laughs> totally, totally. So, and, Oh, go ahead. Uh, one more piece on this. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I think um, the, the, again, for better or for worse, the other thing with uh, diabetics is is we do have to worry about damage and aging. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you ask, why do I want to avoid being low? Why do I want to avoid being high? And the answers there are pretty serious, like um, uh, really serious. Uh, and so it, it definitely motivated me to, to think about health and, and, you know, really all the inputs to health in a way that I wouldn't have, I think, if not for diabetes. Sure. I was mm-hmm. not a healthy kid. I didn't care. I, you know, I was, I was willing to eat whatever. Um, yeah, and not many do not many kids care. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. So that, that accelerated accelerated or even um, made possible an interest in health that I would have had. Yeah, yeah. So on the flip side of that, what's one thing that you're still frustrated about with diabetes or you wish was different or you could, you know, if you could change immediately, like what would it be? Yeah, oh, there's a handful. I mean, you know, I, if, okay, I, I don't want to be too pessimistic here, but but just the, the risk of accelerated aging. Um, sure. And and the way in which the aging happens, like mm-hmm. um, you know, cardiovascular disease is uh, scary, really scary. Um, all so all, of that, all of it, yeah. Yeah, all of that, yeah, totally. Um, but uh, but I am optimistic now. Um, you know, I, I think uh, the tighter control that the modern tools let us have, that's great. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, one one uh, huge drawback that's no longer really um, as much of a concern is just like the the constant risk. Um, like the acute risk is at, alleviated by the CGMs um, yes. like, and the pump, the control IQ. Like I'm not worried at night. And I wa- that I was worried at night for the first 10 years of this experience. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a good transition into like your, the tools that you use. So you're on a CGM, you're on a pump. So what CGM are you on? Um, I am on Dexcom G6 and on the tandem uh, uh, control IQ. Okay. So, and you like them a lot? Yeah, I do like them. Yeah. A yeah. Lot. That's awesome. I, so I'm still on pens. Uh, so I, and I'm considering going to a pump. So that's good to know. How long have you had it? I, so I was diagnosed a year ago, so I haven't, okay. it's only been a year. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, well, I remember them, uh, being told like they wanted us to get used to the pens before transitioning so that we'd have <laughs> awareness of how to, you know, the yeah. backup plan basically. Yeah. So that makes sense. And the other thing I'd say is, uh, so I was on the pump about five years ago, uh, Medtronics. Um, yeah. Actually, maybe, uh, maybe uh, probably more like seven now. Um, and I started to have like um, some issues at my sites. And so I went off and went back to pens. Mm-hmm. And I actually, like there was a nice transition. Like I felt liberated again. Um, 
uh, when I did that, like yeah. felt like a little more control again. Um, oh, wow. Not as much worry about like just the site, I guess. Um, yeah, sure. So it, it uh, but now that this control IQ thing really has has the knights covered, especially, mm -hmm. um, it's it it does seem like a, it's worth it's worth the trade off. Um, yeah, and the, and the technology is getting better and better, you know, each year. So it it probably is worth it. So yeah, I'm, I'm still considering it, but. <laughs> Do you have any favorite like non-medical diabetes products that you use? Um, like specific yeah, clothing, yeah. you know, with pockets or a bag or, you know, anything like that. <laughs> um, I do, I do have like a bag, um, actually with the pump, I don't need to carry it around as much. Like now, now I just carry like if going on yeah. a day trip, I just carry the pump and sugar, but that's it. Nice. Um, but I used to have like a over, like a, you know, a bag, like a single strap bag that I would wear. Um, I guess uh, not so much like clothing accessories, but like for food, um, I do mm -hmm. have some strategies that, that I, I like uh, that okay. seem to help. Um, Let's hear so uh, one is, uh, uh, by the way, not a medical, not a medical recommendation. We're course. not doctors. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I, I am finding uh, fasting for parts of the day really helps to control um, sugars quite a bit because you, you can just stay pretty level if you've got your lantus or your basal ray turned tuned in. Um, yeah. And so like, you know, I, I, I would show my sugars from like overnight, like it's, uh, yeah, actually I'll show it. Um, <laughs> like, uh, here's my, I'm not sure this is visible. Like, uh, here's my 12 hour. Oh yeah. This is, this is not so good. Um, I but you, you, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you can see that little <laughs> spike that, that was like my mat last like food of the day. Um, a little sugar than I should yeah. have had, but like, you know, I'll probably fast for another four or five hours and wow. I don't have to worry about leaving this like optimal range I'm in because it just no interruption to that. Um, you know, cause my basal range is right. Uh, but then oh, okay. that, that should be paired with, um, uh, knowledge that when you break the fast, you, whatever glucose you put into your gut is going to get absorbed quicker. And so the, the real, like my favorite, uh, like food tech for, for controlling sugar is, front load with fiber and protein. Um, and then okay. whatever carbs you have after that uh, will be slower absorbed. So that's, it's, you know, I really, I hate these like, uh, like rapid sugar spikes. Like that, that's the thing that makes me the most nervous about like uh, damage. Um, and sure. so just buffering that with, with stuff that doesn't cause a spike um, and slows digestion of carbs. That seems to be the, the way to go. Wow. So with the fasting, do you ever go low because you're not eating enough? It could happen, um, but uh, you know, I, during my fast, like I'll have things like uh, coffee and okay. um, greens powder uh, at some points. So, I, you know, uh, another thing, um, I I don't like to have sugar. Um, like, like you know, I don't I don't like to lean on my low sugar. I'd rather just avoid the lows altogether. Or sure. like mm -hmm. as I'm going low, use something that's not sugar that I do want to consume, like preemptively. So um, mm -hmm. I've got a handful of things that like that I want to take like coffee, like a greens powder, like fiber that have these marginal impacts, maybe 10 or 20 points. Mm -hmm. And so I can use those to buffer going low. Um, oh, amazing. So is that, is that your go-to like low snack? If you're getting low, that's what you choose coffee or greens. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> if, if, if the low is like, if it's coming on so slowly, because it's just a matter of like basal rate during a fast, um, then like, you know, the pump is going to suspend my basal. And so I don't have to worry mm -hmm. about going that low that quickly because uh, it's accounting for that trajectory 
And so, yeah, if, if I'm in that situation, then I'll just have something small, uh, something something that makes a marginal impact to avoid being low. Um, if I am low and I do need food, um, like honey, uh, actually, okay. I got these like uh, uh, twelve gram honey packets, and I'll like I'll take two of those on a run, for example. Uh -huh. Like the like the mini Justin's ones that are in the mini packets. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's uh, it's not my brand is not Justin's, but it's like that. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I guess that's the benefit of a pump. I always forget. Cause like I'm on the long lasting that's, I just take once a day. So yeah, I forgot about that. That's beneficial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That is nice. So do you remember like your worst low blood sugar experience? I do. Yes. Um, I, yeah. Right. Uh, well, I, so I have one experience that where I had my lowest low, um, and then I had one experience where I had my like worst symptoms. Mm -hmm. So lowest low came, I, I, this was before I was on the pump or actually between pump experiences. Um, do you know, do you have morning syndrome? Do I have what? Uh, morning syndrome, like, uh, rising sugars in the morning. A little bit, but not a ton. Okay. Got it. Um, th that very cyclically with me also, like, um, I, I think, uh, again, some speculation, not a doctor here, but like we do have glycogen sores and those, so in our liver and, and our muscles, those are the, uh, especially the liver, that's what's contributing to like rising sugar in the absence of insulin. And so that's what the basal rate is there to account for. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. But if you're relatively underfed, so like you, you've had fewer carbs in the last week or you're done more exercise, then uh, that, that rate of release of glycogen goes down. So you don't need, and, and insulin sensitivity goes up. So you don't need quite as much uh, glycogen. So you might notice like if you had a high carb day today, tomorrow mm -hmm. you might be more susceptible to, to, to rises. And I, I think that's like a, a uh, carb surplus um, and then increased release. Okay. Of, uh, yeah. So I probably, when I was more overfed on carbs, less fasting, I used to have pretty bad morning syndrome. So I, I would need three or four units um, equivalent to 30 to 40 carbs for me um, first mm -hmm. thing in the morning without food, without coffee. That's just what I needed to stay flat. Um, okay. So, so I would do that uh, right on waking up. And so my worst low ever was when I did that, when I woke up um, in anticipation of getting up and starting my day, and then I fell back asleep. And oh. so then I woke up an hour and a half later, <gasps> addressed the morning syndrome, you know, preemptively, and my sugar was like, I think it was 32. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I mean, good yeah. thing you were you woke up. Yes, and yes, thought, totally. Oh my goodness. I know, uh, totally. When was that? Like, how long ago was that? Uh, that was four years ago. Okay. Yeah. And then maybe about three years ago, I actually don't know my sugar um, uh, this time, but my symptoms were, I, I had never had like um, uh, any kind of confusion or slurred speech or anything like that from below mm -hmm. um, until this occasion. And it hit me pretty quick. Um, I was just like walking um, uh, and I got somewhat delirious, I think. Like, uh, like I was with, I was with actually my co-founder and uh, he's never seen me like that. So he's like, uh, are you really low right now? And I was like, I must be like, this is just so strange. Like, um, and wow. so we, we, uh, we were like in a, a food court. And so I, I had some sat down, had some, some Coke, I think. Um, so, but it, wow. you know, got better, but it was like, you know, uh, tongue numb type, type of symptoms, like just oh, that's scary. confused. Yeah. That's you? yeah. My actually was pretty recent. Um, I, 
I actually don't know for sure if this is what happened. I'm just assuming this is what happened. I keep, I usually keep my, cause I'm still in the pen. So I keep my long lasting separate from my fast acting, but that day I was tr- about to go travel. So I had them right next to each other. And I think I took my fast acting instead of my long lasting in the morning <laughs> because I was just, I remember I was sitting on the couch and I was like, whoa, I'm feeling like really dizzy. And I like looked and it said, I think like 60 go like double arrow down. And it was, and I went up and immediately started taking sugar, but it was going down so fast to that, like a couple of sugar, you know, I had glucose tablets. So I was like three glucose tablets wasn't doing it justice. And I was sweating profusely and like shaking and it was bad, but yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It was really, I was like drenched because I was sweating so much. It was pretty bad, but. Did, did you end up rising the rest of the day? Um, um I stayed actually. Yeah. So I did. I was not like super high, but higher than normal the rest of the day. Got it. But I, I like made sure I was really nervous. It was going to drop again. So I made sure kind of to stay high, <laughs> but sure. yeah. Yeah. Got it. Um, yeah. Well, I was, I was thinking like you would, if it's a 12 hour, um, long, long acting, is that yeah. what it is? No, okay. 24, 24. Okay. So pro- probably if, if that's what happened, you would have like, you know, you would have been, uh, potentially like, uh, in ketoacidosis, like later that day without any, insulin presence um oh wow so uh but i guess if you're if you're dosing like bolus to cover the highs then maybe you would have noticed but yeah yeah (laughs) it was a scary day for me for sure (laughs) yeah so what advice would you give to someone who was recently diagnosed one piece of advice Well, I've got a little anecdote. Um, I'm on my way home from the hospital. Uh, like we, I just been told all these things I needed to do, right? Mm-hmm. Like keep a daily blood sugar and food journal, for example. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, mom, dad, do I really need to do all that? Like, that sounds like a lot. And they were like, absolutely. This is serious. You need to do all that. Mm-hmm. And um, then I did, you know, then I was like, okay, that's what I got to do. Um, and just did a lot of experiments, basically. Like I, I was willing to check my sugar, you know, every 10 minutes to, to, get a sense of trajectories um, and, uh, you know, to do that sort of thing. And I learned a lot over that, that few months about just how sugar, my sugar behaved. So I think it's like, you know, lean in, this is, you, you have to figure this out. Um, and uh, it's just best to have that mindset from, the, from yeah. the start. I agree. Yeah. And I think it's, it's kind of hard because it, you just get thrown into it and it's, you know, one of those things you have, you just have to learn it. You know, you don't have really a choice when I guess you do, but if you want to stay alive, <laughs> you got to learn. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. So if you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Diabetes or not? Yep. Um, okay. Can I get a little philosophical here? Oh, go for it. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> so I, all right. Um, a thing is, a thing is what happens when certain inputs i'm sorry a thing is the thing that translates inputs into outputs anything in the world Mm -hmm. and so it's a causal story in a sense you know any person is receiving a world and then they're processing that and then they're spitting back on some actions um Mm -hmm. uh and i think you know when we say memory we're basically saying like um or like be remembered for something we're talking about like the way that uh are the causal contributions that pass through us and that we then give out of the world like get retained in memory mm-hmm. and I think that you know that is you know we're we're built for that to be an important uh, kind of thing for us to care about like we want our kids and our friends and 
you know, we wanted people to say nice things about us, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but my global, like, uh, I think it may make more sense to have, to have an aesthetic, um, not necessarily for the memory that like a positive memory that is going to exist in other people's heads, but more like just the net causal contribution emanating out from you, whether or not anybody actually knows about that. Um, and then, and not only that, but also, uh, uh, the, the, so it's, it's not just that we're passed through entities. Like, it's not like, um, we're a calculator, you press a buttons and then you, you get a result that spit out. It, yeah. We are that like, certainly, you know, you ask me a question, I say something in response, but we are also, um, loopy, internally loopy in the sense that like things will, things that have not yet turned into actions will be entertained inside the head for a long time, you know? Um, and so like our attitudes and orientations, all that stuff is internal. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, so even, even something that does not get translated into actions that are, are like discernible on your surface, like, or as far as other people can tell, like, I, in a sense, want to be remembered also for those, uh, for, for that structure, that internal structure. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody else will remember that, but I think um, it's, in fact, it is what the physics is up to through me right now. So that it is my, it's my arrangement, it's my ordering and uh, whether or not it gets heard, it is right now etching itself into the fabric of existence. So that, that's like, that's where we live. Um, so, okay. Uh, yeah. So no memory um, that I need <laughs> others to have of me, but I want right now to like live on the frontier of holism and uh, uh, honesty and, and, uh, you know, good attitudes, I guess. That's a great answer. I love it. <laughs> so do you have any last thoughts for our viewers? Anything else you want to add about type 1 diabetes, your experiences, anything? Yeah, actually a, a couple things. Um, Go ahead. Uh, one, uh, one thing, um, I just said this to a friend yes yesterday because people, I think non-diabetics don't realize how difficult the balancing act is. Um, mm -hmm. One way of putting it is like, you know, I, I do roughly 40 units a day and my, um, each of those units uh, brings my sugar down roughly 40 points also. Mm -hmm. um, so if not for my control, that's 1600, uh, you know, uh, milligrams per deciliter of sugar rising, but a well-controlled person wakes up every day, you know, uh, they, they, they find themselves somewhere around, you know, hundred to 120 all the time. Right. Um, or ideally. <laughs> um, so it's like, we have to deal with a flux equivalent to 1600 and try and maintain order right in this very, very small regime. It's, it's insane, like how much uh, variability we actually have to um, account for, basically. Um, yeah, wow, so that's really a great way to put that for sure. Um, uh, a metaphor: it's it's like we're flying a plane a thousand feet from the ground, and we have to keep it there. Like uh, three thousand, and you're doing damage. Zero, and and you're you know game over. Um, so it's a it's really difficult, um, you know. And I think people don't understand like just just how little um, is required to go from a thousand to 500 or a thousand to 2000, mm -hmm. uh, especially on the upper, upper end. Uh, you know, it's just like so easy to, uh, well, I mean, on both ends really it's. Um, oh, definitely, yeah. So um, yeah, that difficulty, I think uh, just, that's one piece, just accepting that. Like, um, you know, I do, a, I do a lot to keep my sugar intact, in, in check mm -hmm. and yeah. still I, I bump, I spike um, frequently, so. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, not easy at all. The second piece is um, specific, specifically for type ones. Um, in the culture right now, there's a lot of talk about uh, glucose control and how essential that is. And if you listen to non-diabetics talk about that, you get the sense that a sugar of 150 uh, is like is sudden death. Like, um, you know, it's just like you know that that's the worst thing you could possibly imagine. Um, I think what's actually happening is that 
the like people that are using CGMs and watching their sugar spikes. Um, there, there are reasons that glucose damages tissue. That's true. Um, but it's not nearly as severe, I think, as is being talked about. Mm -hmm. uh, or else diabetics wouldn't wouldn't have a life expectancy that's actually pretty close to the average population. So yeah. I think what's happening in these non-diabetics that are seeing sugar spikes um, is that those activities that are causing the sugar spikes mm -hmm. and the fact that the body's not uh, capable of buffering that fully are, well, the activities are actually causing damage and the lack of buffering is actually a signal that there is some dysregulation. So it's, it's not that it, it, it's, the sugar is a symptom, not a cause, or it's, it's largely a symptom, not a cause. Um, yeah. It's still probably a valuable target because doing things that avoid uh, sugar spike, it probably means you're eating lower glycemic foods. Um, you're having more fiber, you're having more protein, you're being more active. Um, so it's a good thing to, to strive for as a non-diabetic. But I, I don't think us diabetics should be worried about um, uh, sugar in the same way that the, the culture is right now talking about. Mm, that's good. Uh, and then maybe the last, last one or two things. Um, I we our, uh, I've seen, um, so one of the symptoms of diabetes that you have the accumulation of byproducts, certain byproducts in the cell. Um, so sorbitol uh, is a byproduct of sugar um, that gets stored in the cell uh, to excess. Mm -hmm. And that causes some issues. Um, there, I, I, I would have to dig up the studies again, but type ones, I believe our bodies know um, and they are responding to the circumstance. So they, they are helping us to buffer some of the damage that would otherwise accrue if, we, if not for these buffering mechanisms. Wow. Um, so I, I think, you know, the bodies are really smart. Like body, uh, bodies strive for homeostasis and they've got the intelligence to achieve that. Um, obviously without a pancreas, it's harder. Um, you need medical assistance. But I, I, I do think we are, um, I'm fairly optimistic that even though, you know, we should be accruing a lot of damage, like our, we're actually buffering that to a large extent. Um, and then maybe the last thing I'd add is uh, nutrient deficiency is a concern, actually, like um, B vitamin status is lower in diabetics, uh, that kind of thing. Huh. Um, and there are there are many things that people can take uh, that they should take. I think, um, you know, if you want like an all in one, like athletic greens is probably a really good thing for people to take because uh, it's like multivitamin, uh, things like alpha lipoic acid, which is really good for type ones. Um, but I, I guess the, uh, the point I want to make is. Uh, there's, there's growing emphasis on just what we should be having in our diets so that we can have sufficient uh, nutrient status and, and stay healthy longer. And I think diabetics have a little more reason to be concerned about that. Um, but, the, you know, uh, this is a good time, actually, uh, to, to dive into that stuff because the science is there and there's a lot of products now on the market that, that can support that. Yeah, that's amazing. And thanks to you for creating one of them. <laughs> so if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Um, uh, Zach, Z-A-C-K at Quavos.com. Quavos is Q-U-E-V-O-S. And if, and if you haven't tried them, you got to try them because they're good. They're good snacks. <laughs> yeah, please, please do. <laughs> All right. Sour well, cream and onion, especially. That's is that the best one? I don't even, okay, good. I'll try it. <laughs> uh, maybe tie with the honey mustard. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Zach. I, we really appreciate you doing this interview today and we'll see you on the flip side. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right, bye.